Okay. Hello and welcome. This is the Awakening Together Community Guest Satsang Roundtable Discussion. In case you're wondering what a satsang is, it is a gathering of people being in the company of truth. Awakening Together hosts monthly satsang interviews, and this month's satsang interview was with Stephen Mitchell. His many books include the best-selling Tao Te Ching, which I just uh, uh, listened the other day to Eckhart Tolle do a, a contemplation on. He picked Stephen Mitchell's um, version. Uh, Stephen's books also include Gilgamesh, The Gospel According to Jesus, The Book of Job, The Second Book of the Tao, The Selected Poetry of Rainier Maria Rilke, the, the Bhagavad Gita, the Iliad, the Odyssey, Beowulf, and the Way of Forgiveness. And finally, his uh, book that's out right now is called The First Christmas. He is also the co-author of three of his wife's Byron Katie's best-selling books. If you'd like to find out more about Stephen Mitchell, you can visit his website at stephenmitchellbooks.com, and Stephen has a PH, so stephenmitchellbooks.com. And following this talk uh, that he gave last night, some practitioners for Awakening Together gathered to reflect on the teachings. And so we'll do that now. So the first question is, is what we always start with, which is what, what were your takeaways? What, what really stood out uh, for you uh, from uh, his exchange and his offering to Satsang? Yeah, well, confession first. Um, I did not read his book before the satsang, and I actually know nothing about Stephen Mitchell. And I was, I, I was blown away. The, the understatedness of this man is incredible. The depth and the brilliance of his um, wisdom and teaching and his, the way he expresses himself is so, it's subtle, but so deep. And um, so anyway, after the satsang last night, I immediately went to and bought, got the audio on his book and started listening and can't stop. And I'm just almost finished right now. And I have such regret that I did not listen to it beforehand. And because the book is so rich, the first, uh, the first Christmas is so rich in um, teachings. Um, and, and I would have been able to understand him more. So I'm re-listening to the satsang right now after reading most of the book and it's a whole different world and how he, I understand what he's saying. But one of the things he did was with the book was he brought forth all the characters sort of in the manger, uh, in the um, Christmas nativity situation, and embodied them. And he took away what he called is the Christian overlay and tried to embody them of the in that time. And it is so profound to see um, all these characters from a very human perspective of as if it is me. Even the animals, the, the ox, and uh, it's just so brilliant. And he said that one of the purposes of his intention in writing the book is that when people go back to read the Gospels after they've read his book, that they'll never see the Gospels in the same way. And this is very true for me after the, uh, this book. Um, but, you know, even Mary, like um, he, he said, Mary, like in the book, she's not, she's pictured the way she would have, would have been at that time. She's not this royal lady sitting around in satins with a, a holy child on her lap. She's a 12 to 14-year-old girl where the Holy Spirit appears to her and, or an angel and says the Holy, she's going to get 
pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And she, it's just described what she went through with that. And also Joseph, what he went through as a man and finding out his beloved is pregnant from somebody else other than him. I loved the chapter on Joseph. It, I related it to it so deeply in um, how I process my anguish and jealousy and anger. It, oh, it was so incredible. And right at the, after the end of the chapter on Joseph, um, in the interlude, Stephen Mitchell asked the question just the same as the chapter, what the chapter was about, uh, Joseph chapter was about where Joseph had to come to the place where he had to see things differently through the help of higher guidance. And Stephen asked the question of us, what would it take to turn you around? So what would it take to turn me around? Oh, it was just so brilliant. And um, uh, what else? There's just endless um, um, deep spiritual teachings. And I love the chapter on the wise men, too, and about um, they didn't understand what bringing their dirty laundry was. And um, that was fabulous. And our dirty laundry is just our everyday beliefs that we're caught in that block us from seeing the truth. And once we can bring our, our dirty laundry to something higher to be able to see through it, then we can remove the paths to what the truth is always in front of us. But uh, wonderful book, but I'll let go of the mic right now. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, what a, what a gift. Um, it reminds me of that quote you're sharing, reminds me of the quote by Kierkegaard, I think it's Kierkegaard, um, who says something about um, the thing about life is you can only understand it backwards, but you have to live it forward. And so you lived life forward. You just didn't get the opening or, or the prompt to get the book. But then once you did, you go back and it feels like it's even richer. It feels like it's even, you know, so it's, it's you know, surprise, surprise. Life uh, is the perfect unfolding. So thank you. Beautiful. So I agree with you totally, Glenda. Um, I was, I love the book. And I don't know if you're familiar um, the Chosen is also also has the Christmas story, and but theirs is you know biblical and it's a movie. You can get it free on YouTube or their website. And uh, I I just found myself comparing the two all the time. And I have to tell you, I didn't catch that laundry one thing either. You know, it wasn't until he says, "Ah, now you brought your dirty laundry," that it clicked. <laughs> it was like, "Oh, that's what he meant the whole time." <laughs> um, but one of the things that's been puzzling me all day and, and actually last night too when he was talking about Joseph which I thought was a fantastic um, inquiry and, and surrender you know that whole chapter he really goes very deep with Joseph and he said well it was really jealousy and I kept thinking to myself I didn't see it as jealousy I, I saw it as betrayal so I've been doing a little bit of inquiry to figure out like you know, um, the difference and, and how even my perspective from seeing it, like jealousy has to go within here, I was thinking, you know, whereas betrayal, I'm thinking, well, somebody betrayed me from outside, you know, so it, it, it's been very interesting. Um, but I, I enjoyed all of it. And I can't believe that he's has two more books in the works. He is amazing. Um, <laughs> I, I can't wait to read those. And um, I did read The Forgiveness with Joseph, which I, I would highly recommend too. And um, I think I'm pretty sure I did read um, Byron Katie's also that he um, recommended. Um, but he's, 
even just the way he speaks about her, like you can just tell the love that's there. You know, it's just um, very, it was just beautiful. All right, I'll give somebody else the mic. Thank you. Yes, he, he speaks uh, quite devotionally about both his marriage and his love of his work. And that I remember him saying something like, his devotion to Katie is just a little above, but the devotion to the work and how much he's in love with whatever he's doing is right there, right? So, it was, yeah, it was gorgeous. Thank you. Anyone else like to share? I can sh I can share a little bit. I um, it went so fast. I I had a couple of questions that I wanted to ask, and um, I uh, got to ask one. And uh, well, I don't know that it was really turned out to be a question. It turned out to more to be a thank you and a love song to his book by reading the ending. Um, I'm just trying to pull up the, the quote I had from him. He, in another interview, uh, talked about what his process is because it's such a it's interesting how he can um, how he inhabited these um, all these all these different characters. Uh, and in the end, he said uh, to us, he was explaining how he learned that from Zen, his Zen practice of just pure questioning just questioning without wanting an answer, expecting an answer, and just taking it right down to the marrow, to the bone. And, and he said, sinking into the question without words. And I loved um, that the process that birthed this book is the same process that births all our contemplations, which is that really asking, being willing to trust, and just waiting. Uh, waiting on the edge of, of not knowing and there remaining. Um, and uh, it was interesting to hear about how before he had been a Zen practitioner, what I think he said it, it took him 20 years to write the book of Job. And after he had done his Zen uh, practice and been established in that, it took him four months to translate the Tao Te Ching, which is like four months. I mean, that's just, I and mean, that, that is such a, such an amazing, uh, I mean, and he, I also love the, the glee with which, I mean, he's, he's an understated glee guy, but still he said he had a ball writing this book. He just, just getting into that. I don't mind, no mind. And just allowing each of the characters to just take him wherever they take him. And he said, you know, the process was letting yourself kind of go down into another life and, and, you know, and taking on the mind of another being, whether the being is a human or whether the being is an animal. Um, and he, he seemed to be particularly keen on the fact that what he used is what he called everyday mind. And uh, he gave us a Zen quote that suggested we contemplate everyday mind is the way that there is nothing special that you gain nothing you simply look long enough to lose concepts to lose the mental chatter to loosen the filter and actually see it so that that can fall away <clears throat> and he says you know being concept free your mind's open to reality life can pour in and it pours in in the purest and most generous way. Um, and so is it any wonder that he has two more books that are done, just in the pipeline, just ready to come out, just in their, pro whatever that process is. Um, so I just loved the simplicity of the process and the humility with which he speaks of this, of this prolific, um, I mean, right, his body of work is just amazing. And obviously he's got an enormously capable uh, uh, intellectual capacity because when he's really excited about a, a work, what does he do? He goes and learns another language. <laughs> he doesn't just read the 10 that are out right now and try to get a sense of them. No, no, no. And I love that he goes to source. 
he learns the language so he can go to the source. He can be as close. He kept saying, I want to get as close to it as I can. I want to get as close to it as I can. And um, There's such devotion in that. Such trust. Yeah, Len's writing that he's not learning easy languages. Those are difficult languages. So he's really got some gifts um, and uh, can just, it just speaks volumes, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, it literally speaks volumes and volumes and volumes and through him, volumes and volumes and volumes are written. So, you know, lucky us. That's kind of the, his devotional heart um, is, is what I come away with, most touched by. Let me check in, see if anyone else would like to share. You know, um, in the book where he embodied these characters, one of the takeaways I have is that um, in order to, for Jesus to exist, all the characters were needed. So each of us has a role to play in our life. And we say, and, and each of these characters that were described were asked to say yes to exactly where they were at. And here is Mary, and an angel comes down to her and says she's going to get pregnant before she's married. And all the, the things that that meant in disgrace, um, yet she said yes to her role in it. And um, with the help of higher guidance, sure, her faith was so strong, but it didn't mean she didn't go through a lot of um, anguish and turmoil and inner questioning. And the same with Joseph. And the same with the, the wise men, the same with the animals, you know. And um, so everybody has a role to play. And really, nobody's higher than anyone else. We think Jesus is higher here. But at the same time, everyone was needed to make his teachings possible and to make history possible that way. And uh, so can I have... The question arises in me, can I just appreciate my life, where I'm at, and continue to work with where I'm at without longing to be somewhere else? And part of the story about the wise men in the book was the, the wise men had gone to, the book describes their teacher. And the teacher was some kind of Zen master in the book. And one of the things he says, you know, we get people, I have people coming here with no God concept and people coming here with God concept. And it's all the same. And um, yeah, so can I just work with where I'm at and know that everything that's been given to me is for my healing and for my um Coming to truth. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. It's a, again, it's, it's an invitation to fully inhabit this moment that the universe has put in front of all of us, mm -hmm. moment by moment. Yeah. And it's, that's a, with, with, like you say, I mean, Mary said yes, and it did not spare her tremendous anguish. And it was a yes. So it's, it's, it's both, right? This too, this too. Yeah. And uh, today, if you uh, read Richard uh, Rohr's meditation, he talked about it too. He talked about, you know, we expect... Christ to come with all this glory, and here was this baby born in, you know, um, difficult situation. So he was comparing it to us today and saying, don't expect, you know, overnight to have this glorious happening. We've just kind of like Glenda was saying, just have to accept what is as it is. 
and and go through, you know, whatever we need to. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um. I, you know, I'm going back to what Glenda had said about <clears throat> the characters were willing to say yes or did say yes. And to me, a listening, it was kind of like it was a destiny. And acceptance is acceptance to what is. And I remember he said that acceptance has a lot of levels. It goes very, very deep. Or did I? Did he say it, or somebody else said it? Could have been Regina before. No, I think it was him. He was saying, I don't know. But um, I, my notes. Um, he was saying acceptance uh, was very, very deep. You know, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper, and. Um, And, the, and you were also saying, Glenda, the, you know, the role that we're playing and the characters, and we're playing the role too. It's kind of like us. We're playing the role. We're the characters. And our destiny is to accept the atonement for ourselves. And our destiny is to awaken. It is. It absolutely is. Why? Because this is what we're doing. I think that's what Brian Carey said. Whatever you're doing is because you're doing it. And, <laughs> and Regina said there's faith in it because you're doing it. So I just wanted to add that. So I thought it was, um, I'm going to just wanted to add that and see if something else comes up. Thank you for your comments. Yeah, it's um, as you speak. I'm, I'm. What comes to mind is the very first section on the innkeeper. Now I pick, you know, I pick up the book, and I'm like, I wonder what this is about. And and the innkeeper, you know, we've got. I've got this whole uh, no room in town, so they end up in some crappy little manger, and it was like, oh my gosh, you know. And it turns out it was this incredible act of presence and generosity for the innkeeper to say, we are so full from the census, whatever was happening right then, and he was already overworked and overwhelmed him and his daughters, and, and I, I don't have it right in front of me, but there was something, um, my, my recollection is, in reflecting, the innkeeper said, that there was something about Jesus's, excuse me, there was something about Joseph's acceptance of his no, Sir, there's just no room here. We are completely, we are overbooked. It would be ir irresponsible for me to try to bring one more person into this inn right now. And there was some, I, th I think he said something like he, he looked at his eyes and he felt his eyes and, and Joseph just understood and that, you know, they just accepted. And that that caused a stir in the innkeeper to just wonder, was there something you know, was there something he could offer? What was, and then, and then next thing you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a, a coming into his knowing that, well, they have this stable and he, you know, it, it's not much, but it, you know, it's, it's shelter and it's, it's, and, and it's, so it's, it's generosity. It's, it's, it's love. It's, um, as you're saying, ex accepting destiny, playing, playing out. Destiny was they weren't to get a room, but it doesn't mean you can't step into your part and figure out what you can do. What can you offer? They can say yes or no, but can we be that offer? And then next thing you know, there is there is the state there is a manger. I mean, there are at least some place you know warmer and a little safer than just out in the elements, right? Um, just the you know for I. I, I just never ever occurred to me that there was an innkeeper in the story. It was just already like no, no everyone says no, but but here you see the heart of the innkeeper uh, in playing his part that becomes more uh, available to himself in his own recollection and 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 to that. So it's 
just like the mind wants to make that our parts will look like this or look like that. And it's got to be, you know, heroic or it's got to be a big, big gesture. And, you know, we have no idea what anyone else is going through. We have no idea what the smallest act of kindness can do for someone. And we also have no idea what the prompt to say yes, who that's for. And this was, this came in Reverend Christie's homily yesterday. You know, mind all of a sudden goes, the prompt comes in, you know, do, do something. Mind goes, well, what do you really want to? Well, it may not be for you, baby. It may be you step into that being that cooperative co component. And because you're moving in the way spirit prompts, other things move. And next thing you know, whatever, however it's supposed to go, it's just trusting this fabric, trusting there were we, as Glenda was saying, are an integral part of it. Um, no one in the first Christmas sat there going, and then I gave him a place in the manger. I mean, you know, the day that the innkeeper gave him the place in the manger, he wasn't self-congratulatory. He didn't, he didn't know what was coming. He just played his part. And um, it's just a beautiful, um, you know, true acceptance allows consciousness to play out as it will. And uh, it not only doesn't push on the pendulum, it, it allows the pendulum to stay so centered that all the cooperative components, all that energy can start to come into alignment more and more and more. It comes down to, it seems like one of those questions that I am told Einstein came to in the, in the very end, we all need to decide whether this is a loving universe or whether it's a hostile universe. And so once we find the knowing in, in our heart, in our faith, Everything happens for us. Nothing happens to us. It's all for us. Each of these moments are preparing us or someone or all for the next moment. And can we bring the fullness of acceptance in faith, in faith in things unseen? And that's really kind of one of the um, like kind of deepening invitations to contemplation I felt by reflected on the innkeeper. Yeah, that's beautiful, beautiful. And um, I think when you talk, when we see the acceptance or we talk about the acceptance, the various practices that come into mind, as Stephen Mitchell mentioned his wife, Byron Katie's uh, practices of inquiring. And here we have our practices um, of loving all and um, is happening. Um, and you see this in um, Stephen's book uh, with the characters. You know, everything is happening just as it's happening. And there's an acceptance. It doesn't mean there isn't inner turmoil and conflict and discomfort but there is an acceptance and their role is played out yeah um so it really um made me more aware of bringing and using fully moment to moment every day the practices of acceptance in the loving all method and is happening yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful when he was reflecting at the end about the everyday mind is the way. Nothing special. You gain nothing. You simply lose concepts. And then he said, there's no miracles except the miracle of living a life with no problems. Situations, happenings, moments. Loving what is unconditionally. And he, he mentioned this book many times, um, Loving What Is, um, Byron Katie with Stephen Mitchell. And uh, 
in another interview that I heard that Glenda was sweet enough to send it along when he did an interview with Banyan Books, which is also online. Um, he was asked about um, uh, how he came to know Byron Katie. And uh, it turns out that um, the Byron Katie ha had kind of a publisher friend who was aware of the work and said, oh my gosh, you have to write a book. And Byron Katie said, I don't have a book in me. I have this work. I have this working with people. I have this moment to moment in the moment practice. I don't have a book in me. And the publisher said, uh, I have someone who might be able to help with that. And then got a hold of Stephen Mitchell. And, uh, and Stephen Mitchell, he shared with us last night when Reverend Gloria said, how do you define love? And, and he said, you, you know it. I don't know that I need to define it. I, I've never inquired like that. You know it. And, and she said something like, you know, it's, it's intangible or it's a mystery. And, and it, it was so beautiful. It's what Glenda keeps pointing to. His manner is so understated and yet so direct. He said, well, that's not my experience. My experience is it's right there. He said, the moment I looked in Katie's eyes, I knew what love was. It was what was right there. And that is the love that is available um, when apparently we cultivate this unconditional acceptance. We just stop declaring ourselves separate from things. Right? We stop carving out the shouldn'ts. And if you can go back to NTI and then New Testament interpreted, uh, channeled by uh, Regina Dawn Akers, and there's the section called Romans uh, chapter 2, where they say this whole thing, this whole dream that we're in, basically all suffering stems from this wish. What if things were different than they are? What if I wasn't divinity incarnate? What if I wasn't a limitless expression of source? What if I was somehow this separate person? And, and, and how that gets expressed is, what if things were different than they actually are? Which was a silly question, because they are as they are. And yet something wanted to know. And so something had to get made to make that little dream world seem real. Like any good game, you want it to seem real. And the tool that was made was judgment. And the tool of judgment, when used for the game, very successful. We can believe the illusion completely. When we lay down the tool of judgment, what's left is being with what is as the natural, open, alert awareness that we are and there's no miracles involved there, as Stephen Mitchell said, except the miracle of living a life with no problems, loving what is unconditionally. I liked when he, um, the book was talking about angels, because a lot of angels appear and um, and, and it was sort of talk. It was uh, describing the difference between the angels that appeared to the shepherds versus the angels that appeared to um, Mary and Joseph. And and I can understand this. It talked about the 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 higher level of angel appearing based on your spiritual maturity. Because if right now, if the angel for that appeared in, for Mary uh, um, appeared to me, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, there's a big no, but I may get another angel that will help me exactly where I'm at right now. Um, so based on help is always available wherever we're at. And the more we say yes, the more we will receive. That was my impression from that discussion on angels. Yeah, I, I, I love how um, of all the angels that are seen and unseen, I think it's the donkey that sees the, sees the most of them, right? And the, 
I love my favorite line in the whole book. This was the other question I wanted to ask him, which was like, you know, do you just, I, I was going to ask him, do you just laugh when these lines come in? Like you just, you give yourself over and here's my favorite line in the whole book. It's on page 169. It's from the donkey. Uh, and the, the donkey is paying uh, homage, you know, tribute uh, to, uh, to his lineage, to those that have come before, uh, his, his an ancestress. <laughs> and, uh, and he says, there, so I'll read you the line I love, and I'll read you the whole paragraph. The line I love is, there have been others who have followed in her hoofsteps, but here in the lands of Galilee and Judah, she is an inspiration to us all. I just love, I mean, they followed in her hoofsteps. It's just, it's just so, it's so simple and so eloquent, and yet so like corny and funny and great, right? It's like a dad joke in there. But let me, let me read you the whole paragraph. The whole paragraph says, because this, this donkey is really uh, kind of um, almost witnessing to the, to the, to the joy uh, and the depth of his heritage. He says, then there was her exquisite honesty. Who among humans, even under the threat of death, would be willing to speak the truth exactly as she saw it? When I contemplate her unswerving integrity, donkeys contemplate. I freaking love that. When I contemplate her unswerving integrity, the integrity that made her swerve from her master's path, I am deeply moved and honored that she is the founding mother of our glorious visionary tradition. There have been others who have followed in her hoofsteps, but here in the lands of Galilee and Judah, she is an inspiration to us all. And it's just so, it's just so gorgeous, right? Thinking about, you know, reflecting on their, uh, their ancestress, the one who, the donkey who was, uh, kept, kept seeing the angel appear, but the master didn't see. So the donkey would swerve off not to hit the angel and, and, and you know, the, and the master kept beating the donkey, thinking the donkey's just not doing it right. Uh, and the donkey is just so devoted to truth, not going to run into the angel, even if the master can't see. The donkey's going to honor what the donkey knows is the truth, which is that the angel was right, was right there. And the master didn't see the donkey till after three times and beating, beating the donkey. And the donkey still just um, didn't choose to, to speak at that time, just, just allowed it all to play out. Again, played their part and uh, trusted that honoring truth is how we accept destiny unfolding is how we play our part is how we take the step that's right in front of us to take and it is not our business how this plays out for everyone else and everything else that we are accountable and dr david hawkins puts it so something like we are accountable to the level of consciousness that we are right now and we accept that it's kind of our our sacred solemn um, um, path to be on it's just what's right before us love me some cantankerous donkey in the visionary donkey <laughs> tradition <laughs> oh. yeah that's marvelous the animals and Stephen embodying the animals even and the ox Mm, yes. You know, he spoke about the ox. I could, uh, you know, he spoke about the ox as being placid and being an observer. And the way he spoke, it was like, yeah, something that's chewing its cud and ruminating all day long and spends many hours chewing things over, not just reflecting, but breaking down parts and truly digesting them. And he's talking about the physical animal, but at the same time, he's not. He's talking about you know, are we inquiring? Are we digesting things? Are we investigating whether it's true or not? And uh, so, even though he's speaking about these animals, he's, they're all symbolic for very deep teachings he's offering. Um, and, he, and in the chapter on the ox, it was like the ox was speaking about the bulls are more all ego, you know, they just mm -hmm storm and reactive so they're more ego but 
but the ox is of great strength and calm. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, the animals are great. Yeah, yeah, you can, and you can feel the playfulness too. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it comes to mind the, the name of the other book that he co-wrote with his wife, Byron Katie, which is, um, I think, is it A Mind at Home with Itself? A Mind at Home in Itself? And I just feel like he has this brilliant, brilliant mind and this crazy inspired idea to go into the mind of a, a visionary donkey and does it with full abandon, right? Just He just gives himself over to this. And, and I mean, he's a serious author and he's done all this scribing and here he is like, okay, I'm the donkey now. And yeah, yeah, you're the donkey now. And, and it's, it's not just deep teachings. It's beautiful, wonderful, fun, entertaining literature. So on, on that level, it, it, it's a totally works too. You know, it's a, really, it's, a, it's transcendent writing. You know, the book is called A Christmas Story, but um, wow. And, you know, a part of me goes, oh, we should call it something different because I don't want, I want everybody to read it. People will not read it if it's just Christmas, you know, a title in it, you know. It's so much more than Christmas. It's everyday story. <laughs> Yes, well, it's to them, the first Christmas was just another day, was just another night. And so it's just, it's perfect. You know, it's, it's the, the next, I mean, this is, this is the same teaching as every day is getting us ready for our first Christmas. We actually may even be having our first Christmas moment. We don't know it because we're not giving it to mind to game it out. We're giving it to heart and saying, what is mine to do right now? And that makes every day the Christmas story, right? Because you just can keep saying yes to what is here to say yes to. And what there isn't an automatic yes to, you bring back in like the cud and you inquire and you digest and you break it down and you be with it and you open to it and you ask about it and you learn from it. And in so doing, it is Christmas every day. Yeah. That's beautiful, beautiful, and thank you for that. And yeah, and what he refers to, what was it um, about the Messiah having to come in your come within your own heart? Um, yes. And so every day uh, we are being birthed. Every day we are saying yes to the Messiah within, rather than our thoughts and our beliefs. Um, yeah, Christmas story every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Healing is revealing, isn't it? Um, so let me ask another question, um, which is, uh, you know, some of the different questions arose and, you know, not, not that any are good or bad, but just in a really open way. Um, were there any questions that uh, the question and or the answer of which caused some confusion? Or, or, or raise some questions that you now kind of either bring to yourself to contemplate or kind of care to wonder aloud. Um, the one I, I mentioned before that really stands out is what would it take to turn me around. And, and what comes up when I say that right now is, am I choosing to um, clarify what I want in every moment? Am I increasing my desire for liberation in every moment? What would it take to turn me around in this moment? 
Yeah. Um, that, that somehow the book has, and uh, all the different characters has gone, and is asking me, what will it take for me to say yes every moment and keep that in mind all the time. Beautiful, thank you. Um, you know, what you were saying, I think it was you, Anne, you were talking about, oh, I've, I went through my notes and I don't want really to know what I did with them when I was talking about saying yes, how they said yes, and how the guy said no at first. But still, that was, he was saying what came up for him to say. And then what happened, he got this insight to allow him to say yes. In reality, he was saying yes all, all the way through. You see it? You see it? He was saying yes, even though he said no. But then he said, he said yes to let me. I'm open. Obviously, he was open because if it was closed, he wouldn't have been able to say yes. So there was an openness there. Even though there was a no, there was an openness to say yes. And I'm looking at my, my, my situations as, as I was, as I'm going through the process. And a lot of times I have not said, said yes, even though guidance was clear. The one thing that I had to do, and I'm seeing it now, is to be okay with me not saying yes, because that is where my faith was. I'm using that word, you know. Um, and that's hard to say, you know, because you're there there's a split mind here. And your heart, which is love, is saying yes. However, this, uh, there's a thought that's believing something different at that particular time. But it's all yes. It's hard to say, but it is all yes. And so that's the perfect unfolding, the unfolding to have to say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But I, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, you said something, uh, Anne, about going backwards, like starting here and like, like Glenda. Everything is perfectly orchestrated because you did say yes. You said to what was, what it, what it is. What you say what to what came up. So what came up? What came up for you to do? And you continue to say yes. So, and then you start realizing that your, your, your yeses all the way were perfect. Mm -hmm. And your no, your yes was perfect. Yes. So, I, um, 
didn't read the book, but I wanted to hear you guys that I knew that you guys had, and I wanted to hear a little bit about it because uh, I may do the audio. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Ruby. Uh, what a deep, deep truth you just spoke. We always have a chance to say yes. And saying yes may look like no. The character may say no. And the opportunity is can we say yes to the no that was said as the perfect unfolding? Can we say yes to yes, no's, and in-betweens knowing that this willing heart is going to praise its mistakes. Don't know if it's a mistake or not, but say it's a mistake. Praise our mistakes. Why? Because it is the perfect unfolding. Why? Because we're not the doer. Because we never were. Because this is all the dance of consciousness. And we get to watch. And the way we bring the fullness of the willingness is to keep accepting and saying yes to everything, including what looks like our no's. Because all things work together for God. And Kathy, I see, I'm wonderful that you joined us, and I just want to invite you to... Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's, it's the ongoing, right? But it's coming to an end. So I, my, my phone would not allow me to unmute. So I thought, okay, let me try and sort out the other business. Anyway, here I am a few minutes left still. So I'm just glad to jump in. I, I'm sorry that I didn't catch all of uh, what you, what you just shared. Rivia really, kind of caught the beginning and the end of it, but um, I, I, I think um, you know, there's an understanding, you know, about what it is, you know, to 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 say to say yes to what it is. And so I, I okay, I did not uh, read the book. Um, I didn't find out till for whatever reason later. Didn't come to conscious awareness. It was about um, the the Christmas story. So you know, I, like all of us, have got the. Steve Mitchell, Daddy Ching, and uh, uh, A Thousand Names for Joy also then um, uh, have that much of a, you know, introduction uh, to his writing, but I'm just struck. Obviously, it's going to be read. This is unquestionable, uh, the the Christmas story and, and other works of his as well. But in, in response to the invitation you gave, and um, I did come with a question and that was about, well, why the um, Immaculate Conception? I mean, this, this question's been around <laughs> the block, you know, for many, for, you know, you know, many, many millennia. But, you know, why, what is with that? Like, why was it set up that way? You know, like, why couldn't Christ just have been born, or Jesus, I should say, just have been born to Mary and Joseph? It was born that way anyway, but no one had to be this Okay, so so in the seeing um, of what I know from the telling, and it's funny, like the, the, the deepening, the deepening, the deepening, which is the biggest takeaway is that um, I'm sure it gets a whole lot deeper in the reading of or the listening to the story, but even what he shares takes one um, further out on, on the journey. So, so approaching it then from what would seem like the perimeter, but not really, was just another aspect that became the experience of the perspective that I was receiving to um, look at this um, with the, the rest of the community. And so that question that was there and never got asked um, came out in the very uh, question you just addressed, Ruby, you know, about that whole idea of accepting. So, so here's how it looks. It's like, well, this is our whole, you know, the, yeah, the, um, the what if everything was different question and 
that the as it existed prior to such a question, all was just total love and isness and our innocence. And so so you got to bring that innocent on innocence on board. Oh, Mary was innocent. And so then she gets compromised through an angel <laughs> so that it looks like something that it isn't. There's the other aspect of the reality we've created so that the whole thing comes around full circle in the end and you know comes to this place of forgiveness and yet the character if i may call that of jesus he's he's not voiced in this so you know we are the christ we are the jesus and but we subject ourselves to the i am bad belief and so everything's sort of set up to show us it's not true it's not true anyway uh, that was my my takeaway so uh i'm i'm glad i got to share that just right now at the end (laughs) thank you Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous reflection and contemplation. Um, you know, mind wants to know why, and then heart just slowly settles in <laughs> and gets that gets that hoofhold uh, from a donkey's perspective, a foothold from a person's and and allows us to live that question, right? Uh allows us to live the richness of the inquiry. Kellen Hamilton said, questioning is love. Boy, definitely got that from Stephen Mitchell. He just opens to every question with every source. But would you have, he doesn't say it like, but would you have me know? But he, he speaks of a process where you just fully inhabit his Zen practice of the I don't know mind. And there you stay. Um, so yeah, what a, what a, Wow, what a gift, especially around these times. Maybe, and if it's okay with all of you, maybe I'll just read that last, this is the last line of the last page of the book one more time. And this is on page 180. It's not a very long book. Um, The first Christmas that we've been reflecting on for this past hour. Um, And uh, Stephen Mitchell writes, but it's not enough to watch the scene from the outside. Right, the manger scene, the Christ is born scene, the whole nativity deal, right? And he has a quote from Meister Eckhart. If Christ's birth doesn't happen in me, how could it help me? Said Meister Eckhart in one of the epigraphs at the beginning of my story. Quote, everything depends on that. And then Stephen goes on to say, what did he mean? by Christ's birth in me. It's another way of saying, quote, the coming of the Messiah inside me. That is, the coming of an immovable inner peace that will last for a thousand, a million years. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. If that peace doesn't happen inside me, how can I expect to see it in the world outside, which is a reflection of the perceiving mind? Allowing it to arise, or more accurately, clearing away the obstacles to its natural arising is the great mission that has been given to us all. When we find peace on earth, goodwill toward humans and toward every sentient being happens by itself. So the dream endures, the work lives on, (laughs) and the love will never die. And I uh, just really appreciate all of you being here for these reflections and um, just uh, transition to saying that that's it for us today. And thank you all for joining this discussion and thank you to those who joined to listen. As always, it is wonderful to have a space where we can go deeper into what we seek to teach ourselves. 
If you are interested in more information about anything on this podcast or the Awakening Together community, we invite you to join us in our online sanctuary at awakening-together.org or our YouTube channel by the same name. All are welcome, and we would love to have you. Again, thank you for joining today. Mm -hmm.